So this is the thing. So in 2018, he released a single called Shame, and he promised us, yeah, 2018, the album's coming out, and 2018 came and went, and 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 nothing. <laughs> he just left us on the stoop like a deadbeat dad. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> unfulfilled promises. <laughs> do this hello guys and welcome to a new episode of don't like the stands you're here today with your host eden and shopper and guys how have you been since the last episode um we decided to you know kick off a new season season seven talking all things music and culture and it was great being back shopper how was the first episode for you oh yeah it was good you know like um i actually really enjoyed the episode and it just kind of reminded me why we do the show why i like doing the show it's easy to lose sight of that when life can just be so hectic and ridiculous and so on and so forth but and like i said whenever we get into the swing of it and we actually do it like all the planning and logistics and stuff yep that's long and hopefully one day we have someone who will look after all of that but when we (laughs) actually get to just getting into it so yeah and it was so nice to see the the warm reaction online when we announced we were returning so yeah yeah this uh, i agree with everything you've said um <clears throat> it is kind of just like you know stepping back and then finally stepping into podcasting again is really weird um because there's so many things you kind of forget and i feel like as a podcast we've gone kind of back to basics in a way um like i don't think this is bad to say but we used to you know we had an editor a producer for the show um, we kind of we had like a team that was building and then you know life happened and we were unable to continue that um always sending love to tony though shout out to tony and everything he's doing at soul surge and everything and shout out to man like um, mike and yeah shout out to man like mike who was our designer designing all of the assets and everything but you know we took a step back just because all three of us were going through some things um individually and you know coming to this podcast we're really kind of like you know it feels like we've gone back to like startup in a way kind of just like we've we've taken i don't say a step down but we've gone to you know designing our own assets editing the podcasts and you know all of those different types of things which we started out with and it kind of brings a renewed energy to the podcast as well um at least from my perspective it feels you know like it was back in season one two and three um but yeah without nick um and yeah i, I that's pretty much all I want to talk about, how it feels kind of being back on the podcast and everything. Um, but, you know, Nick said last week that he wouldn't be in the season, um, which we're, you know, quite sad to hear and everything. But we understand, you know, you have to take priority for yourself and everything. Um, but what we'll do is we'll just go straight into like how we're doing. So, Shopee, how are you doing this week? I am completely and utterly exhausted and spent. Mm hmm. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm patiently waiting for my Christmas annual leave um, and to just rest, reprieve, and see my friends and worry about having to juggle that with capitalism. So I actually can just live my life during the day like, oh, then I'm doing something in the evening or just spending nights mm-hmm. by myself, catching up on Netflix. There's so many shows that I'm watching that I start that I need to finish. Um, I still haven't finished Squid Game. I'm I'm on season seven of Girlfriends, um, watching it as an adult. Um, Blood and Water's back, you need to watch that. Um, and then bare documentaries that I want to watch and movies that I want to watch. And then I have hella books that I want to 
get into. So I'm looking forward to a lot of me time. Okay, that's good. And I hope you get that time. Um, I look forward to, you know, your Christmas break where I'll be seeing images of you in, you know, open button shirts, doing off. Um, Why would I be an open button shirt in this doing, way? Doing chest hair and, um, you oh, know, go. gold chain necklaces and um, twists and stuff like that with a nose piercing. That being said, I actually have, I bought my first two pairs of earrings last week and so I'm yet to wear them. All right. So the streets um. aren't safe. The streets aren't safe. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the streets aren't safe. Like, my if you got a partner, hide your partner, because Shopee is my, out in these streets right now. My ear piercing has finally healed, so I can actually get some... So I got one from Amazon and one from ASOS, so I, I'm going to be... Tr- yeah. Boy, these streets are ones. not safe. Jesus Christ. Okay. Um. Oh, yeah, and you mentioned books. So since you mentioned books, we did send out a tweet recently just asking for any suggestions when it comes to trans awareness, um, because, unfortunately, we did miss out last week on mentioning trans awareness um week so we do apologize for that guys and um you know we'll try and keep on top of all of the topics and conversations surrounding the transgender community in ways that we can support um but shope had a great book suggestion um which he was he read last year i think it was what was it again shope was it last i don't even i was it? I don't even know. I feel like the, the months have blurred into one. I feel mm-hmm. like I started it last year. I don't think I finished it until this year, though. Because um, it was in, yeah, I think I finished it early this year. Yeah, so it's um, called Captive Genders, uh, Trans Embodiment, Trans Embodiment, and the Post Industrial Complex. And it was recommended by No Name. As you know, No Name has her book club. Um, and she's always recommending dope, dope books. And she actually does do events, obviously in America only, of course um and yeah she this was one of the books she recommended and i was like oh that sounds interesting and um yeah it's a really really um fascinating and informative collection of essays um with different uh loads of different writers different perspectives and yeah it really really has uh i learned a lot about the uh trans community and the issues that they are facing from a medical level uh um what's the word I'm looking for, a social level, familial level, economically, uh, so many different perspectives. Um, yeah, so I highly recommend it. Not every essay in there is worth your time, but there's a lot of, <laughs> there are, you know, obviously it's not perfect. Um, yeah. you know, but a lot, no, but a lot of it is really good. And I think that if you know nothing about the transgender, I feel like it's a great introductory book. Um, for that and also for those who are very interested in prison abolition there's a lot of that in this book you realize like how intertwined they are because you know Mm. they are quote unquote the bottom of society to see how they're policed and criminalized you really get a a strong look at just the prison and justice system as a whole independent Mm. of transness so yeah that was our little book thingy we don't really do that but Eden and I are former English graduates. We love a good book. I'm actually reading Luther Van. Actually, let me say that for the listeners. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you for the recommendation, Shopee. And I just want to say, um, from my perspective, like I went to a great kind of conversation at work this week talking about kind of gender equality, and it was hosted by Joanne Lockwood. So Joanne Lockwood is, um, so she's a speaker, Rotarian, and she's like a mentor. And she was on a TV show called Making of Me. And it was all about kind of her transition and her life and her relationship with her wife and children and all of these different types of things. And um, it was really, really 
intriguing like just learning so much about the kind of transgender community um because you know you can read books all day and this isn't shade because you know it's um yeah it's not shade you can read books all day but i feel like actually having the experience in front of you is like really integral to actually understanding what someone is going through and kind of the lives that they lead as well so you know while she was speaking i learned so much about you know her individual experience as a transgender woman and um kind of what that looks like and how you know as a cishet man um you know how some of my perceptions of that experience are incorrect or ignorant or things that i need to unlearn and be better at kind of um you know learning about and it's it's kind of you know we always say on debts that we're decolonizing we're learning we're constantly in a flux of you know not necessarily improving but understanding um empathy compassion all of these different types of things and we will get it wrong at times we will we're not perfect people and we don't pretend to be um but i just want to say shout out to jo joanne lockwood i don't know if this will try kind of travel across the airwaves but it was a great kind of talk that she gave and i learned so much and you know i hope to take the wisdom and knowledge that she gave forward into my life to support non-binary and um, transgender people that are in my life may be in my life in the future or um you know all of those different types of things um but yeah transgender community we do apologize for missing out on that week but we will like i said try to be better and as always feel free to send us anything on the d-a-t-s-p-o-d um at so that's instagram twitter or any form of social media and we're more than happy to spread the word about anything um anything in particular whether it's music um, whether it's kind of conversations that you feel like, like aren't being spotlighted at the moment um, we're more than happy to spread the word and support um, on to kind of how I'm feeling this week um, I feel good <laughs> I feel good um, I feel really grateful for a lot of things right now um, I feel very much in a good space mentally um, you know that comes with its challenges it comes with a lot of kind of acceptance of yourself of your life of you know everything that's happened in your life but I feel good I must say I was my masculinity was a bit kind of you know my ego was very much attacking me last week because of me crying on the podcast I don't know like when I listened back I kind of almost wanted to edit it out completely um and shout out to Lids who, who reached out to me and kind of checked that I was okay and everything but I just felt really emotional and I just really kind of connected to that story in particular. Um, so this is kind of, I don't like to kind of do things to necessarily say I want to be the example because that's a lot of pressure and, you know, I'm nobody at the end of the day. Um, but, you know, men cry and man, men get emotional. Men have feelings about certain types of things and our feelings are important. You know, it doesn't have to take priority. Um, and I hope that's not what people kind of felt from me crying last week. But um, I kept it in the episode whilst editing because it was a very, you know, it's very true to who I am as a person. I am a very emotional person. I am someone who cries a lot. I am someone um, who, you know, like if we want to go to star signs, I am a Virgo slash Leo, but I've got cancer placements everywhere in my chart. And if you're rolling your eyes, it is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> but um yeah i'm good that's me cool let's move on to the music section oh actually sorry my apologies listeners since nick isn't here this week please take a moment to check in with yourselves 
So how are you doing? Have you eaten today? Have you had something to drink? What are you listening to? Like, how are you and how are you really? Um, always feel free to send us a message at DATSPOD. We can give you recommendations for music. You know, we think music is a really healing um, medium. Um, or we can just, you know, talk to you about things that are going on in the music industry with music and culture and all those different types of things. If you want to laugh, Shope mans the account on Twitter. You know Shope is hilarious, although I don't know if, if he will own that, um, which we don't need mm. to hear, you know, anyone denying that they're not funny. But um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, cool. We'll move on to the music section. So Shope, what are you listening to this week? Right. So um, I guess off the, piggybacking off the book discussion we had, um, so I'm currently reading three books simultaneously. Don't judge me, mind your business, or you'll bring your legs. <laughs> um, um, and oh, man, I took that personally as well. One of those books that I'm reading is um, The Life and Longing of Luther Vandross by Craig Seymour. So um, I believe it's the only biography that exists about Luther Vandross. Um, so I've been reading that. Um, started a while ago typically but i've really i think i've really uh become engrossed in it over these last two weeks and i really enjoyed it i'm really really enjoying it i think i've met, i think i mentioned it up before but if you guys didn't know luther andros is um almost essential to my musical development and musical education he's literally synonymous with my childhood i can't imagine any childhood memory without luther andros song playing in the background so he's someone that is very near and dear, um, not even just in terms of like me just enjoying his music, but also just like in terms of nostalgia and memories and sentimental value and all that kind of stuff. And of course, as I've gotten older, I've just developed my own love for him and my own appreciation for him. So I got the book um, and I'm really enjoying it. And I've been learning a lot about like his his career and his life, of course, but it's really, I love how it really goes in depth about each album that he he put out and also what he was working on for other artists at the time so in spite of that so in that notion i want to speak about his busybody album which i believe came out in 1983 and i've always loved the title track and i've always um enjoyed this album but once again when you read about read about it and read about you know uh what they were going through or just what was happening in their life at the time and the wider context of his career it's like oh you go and revisit it so um, there's two songs on here that I particularly want to mention. Um, one's called Make Me Believer, which is just such a... Uh, I always think Luther, um, as a songwriter, producer, arranger, like, let's not forget, obviously, one of the greatest male vocalists of all time. Like, let's not forget that. But when it comes to just the craftsmanship of his musicality, just like really, really, he really was a special, special talent in the way he constructed his material and arranged his material and make me a believer i thought was one of in my opinion one of the best ballads he ever did the best slow jams and i just love how mystic the lyrics are so really recommend that song and then also this one's more up tempo it's called full sweetness of your love it's just such a it's just such a very buoyant very fun very funky kind of track and I've always said that I re I think Luther really just had this really interesting pocket considering he was making music in the 80s, but like it didn't feel like totally, I guess, 
uh, electronic or synth, even though it was, but there was still like that sense of, you know, great chord progressions, great melodies and great solos and stuff like that. And the way he arranged his background singers. So like, it's just a really fun song. And then leading on to that, I'm now going to go into a song which I've always loved, always, always, always loved, always loved, um, which he wrote. So he, um, he, he, if you didn't know, aside from his own music, he produced and wrote for loads of other artists. And he actually entirely produced two of Aretha Franklin's later albums. Um, one called Jump To It, which I believe came out in 1982. Let me check that. You know, we, we do facts over here. I like some other people. I don't even know if you want me to keep that in, but I'm going to keep it. <laughs> so yeah, 1982, Jump To It. So... Um, I've always loved this song, always, always loved this song. But then once again, like just reading about his relationship with Aretha and how they had a kind of like, had a, had like a kind of a tense relationship, but they, I think they, rec- they won't, well, I think they did reconcile, but just hearing the, what the stories of like them, like working in the studio, because Luther's a giant, but obviously Aretha, obviously Aretha was already like a massive legend by the time Luther came to the scene. So just to hear that, you know, Luther was so giddy and so excited to work with one of his idols and he produced two of her entire two of her albums entirely, and I've always loved this song. And it's just like, like I said, Aretha was just really he just had a a great identity as an artist because it's an Aretha Franklin song, but it's so blatantly it's you can if you are a Luther fan you can hear that song and it's like this is clearly a Luther fan production. <laughs> it's just like, and I put it on my IG story this week like he just wrote, produced, and arranged the hell of that album, but that song in particular. So I just wanted to shout that out. Um, and then the next two I want to talk about are KTB and Linda Dawn. And I'm going to start this um, off by saying that live music is incredible. And, you know, Pan- the Pantene Conditioner, you know, robbed us of that over these last 18 months. But in the last few weeks, I've been able to really go to concerts again. I think the last concert I, I went to before COVID, Shutter was Tori Kelly at the Roundhouse. That was the last show I saw. That would have been last February or something. And then I went to see Children of Zeus in like October and they were absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. And who one of and the person who opened for them was Linda Dawn. And I think I may have mentioned her before on the show, maybe. But if I haven't she is one of the most unique and refreshing talents in the UK R&B soul scene right now. She is literally in her own lane. She is tapping into an era of R&B and soul that is not really touched by anyone of our generation. Everyone I feel, and this is not just the UK, I feel like just R&B across the world, like people who try and like have an old school kind of vibe, they tap into either the 60s, the 70s or the 90s. But no one really gets into what I feel was like an underrated period, which was the late 80s, the late 80s. And I'm thinking like Patrice Russian and Evelyn Champagne King and M2 May, um, Stephanie Mills, that kind of, that era, those era of artists and that sound, that kind of electro funk. Um, yeah. And arguably Luther, actually. Luther was a part of that too, actually. And Linda Dawn is that. <laughs> Linda Dawn is that. And she's a British, British girl. And... What I love about her is that her music is so clearly influenced by that, but it's not pastiche or dated. That it still sounds very modern. So she opened for Children of Zeus, and I was already a fan. Already a fan. Like I didn't go to Children of Zeus just for Children of Zeus. I went to see her too because like, this is the lineup. Bang it, Little Daughter, Children of Zeus. Bang it, and I just couldn't believe how amazing she was. Like 
first and foremost, you know me, like, you know I love a vocalist, you know I love a singer, you know, I can, I'm about to be shady to someone, but it, never mind. Anyway, um, we stay above the fray. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, though, she can sing her ass off. And you wouldn't really tell that from her vocals, but I speak um, from her vocals, from the record, from the songs. But then I realized, I was speaking to my friend who I went with yesterday. Um, should I say her name? Shout out to Kirsten. Yep. <laughs> Shout out to Kirsten. Um, um, yeah, we went to see her yesterday at her very first headline show, The Lexington, and absolutely phenomenal. Like the band, incredible. The background singers, 10 out of 10. The DJ before her. The, whoever you are, my guy, you would play the most obscure, dope shit that you never hear anywhere. And I was just getting my life. <laughs> so that's the whole. My I had a, a beautiful evening last night. Um, Belinda, incredible celestial talent, and just like I was just in awe of her vocals. Because so that's my point. I rambled, but here we are. Um, Kirsten was saying, shout out to Kirsten. She was saying that you wouldn't get that on record because she's writing songs. She's really trying to evoke a specific sound a specific vibe and feel and she does it very very well to the point so she kind of went where she kind of not she kind of um lets her vocal ability kind of slide because i guess the song she makes is really cool for that but watching her live and just hearing her really go for it and really try these different notes and different inflections my girl can sing can sing okay Right, so I say a lot to say. Please check her out. One of the best times we have in the UK right now. Like, I know there's so many others right now, but like, I really mean when I say that no one's doing anything like her right now, really. And I highly recommend the, her debut EP at First Light, her new single, Roses. And I actually got it on vinyl. You know me, I'm a vinyl dad. I got my very first seven inch vinyl last night. <laughs> ah, collection grows. Which one was it? Which one was it? So roses. So I got there and I didn't know they were selling vinyl. And I was like, oh, I'm definitely getting one. Then I asked the guy, like, oh, can I have the EP? He's like, oh, I saw sold out. Like, <sighs> he's like, but we have the single. I'm like, okay. And yeah, it's a seven. It's a seven inch. I, was, I just had to one because I love her and I want to support her, but also, um, I want to make. I feel like with vinyls and stuff, like, and also physical owning music physically. It's like. Having what it's one thing having your Spotify list and Apple and Tidal, but I feel like what having a CD collection or a vinyl collection that's music you really love, it's they truly love. And mm. I don't, and she really is one of my favorite artists in the UK right now, like hands down. So, like, I want to be able to look at my collection, just always remember her and know to revisit her, and also just to keep supporting her as she grows and builds. So, shout out to her, check her out. And secondly, I saw KTB earlier this week. Shout out to Timmy, who invited me as a plus one the wonderful author and writer of Black Joy and um, other amazing things. So she invited me, shout out to you. Much appreciated. We had an amazing time. And KEB is one of my favorite white women. Love her. Love. I've loved her from the very, very beginning. And it was such a joy to see her because, I don't know, she's just very effortless, I feel like. I feel like every project I've always enjoyed. I love her tone. It's so, she has such a pretty tone to her voice. Such a oh, I missed one actually. I'll get back to that later. Um, I'm gonna get to my Brazilian jazz bag later, but anyway, KEB. Um, yes, we're really diversifying to this week, um, ladies and gentlemen, and there, anyway. Um, yeah, so she was really, really, really good, but then we were saying that 
it's amazing how many vibes and how many different genres you're getting in one show. Like at once, you were getting dubstep, we were getting reggae, we were getting R&B, we were getting house, we were getting garage, we were getting a bit of jazz, or then we were getting a bit of pop ballad, all in one show. You just kind of realize like, one bangers for days that she has, but, but then also, and just like really, she really has tapped into so many genres over the course of her career. And so I want to shout out, um, obviously the debut album, um, on a mission, of course, which I thought was a classic. Um, but I also want to um, shout out her new project, um, Pieces and Offerings, which came out two weeks ago. And I was kind of a bit um, iffy about seeing her live because I knew the show would be mainly the new album, new EP, but I hadn't really got into it because I only played it twice or something like that. But she really sold it. Like, the first half of that show was pretty much that entire project. And I was just like, this is really good. It's really good. And I thought it's an underrated experience to hear new music live um like i knew certain songs but then i was like i definitely went home like oh this project is banging so i want to shout out the first single under my skin but there's also a great duet with jazz caris called open wound check that out and to any of my reggae fans out there lay low banger 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 but then i'm also just going to shout out some other songs of hers that i love power on me from her first album that's probably my favorite song by her love 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 movement Blue Eyes, from the, for all my UK Garage people, please play Blue Eyes from her second album, Little Red. Aaliyah with Jessie Ware, my other favourite white woman. Well, other British white woman. Um, yeah, play with Sampha, Honey of Kate Trinado. That And he was saying, actually, that last album, you guys, you guys slept. <laughs> you guys slept. Go back and play the Honey album in 2016. KB, man. KB. Um, and before I get into the last one, I want to quickly divert back to Linda Dawn. So aside from her, like I said, she's really got this 80s influence that I've said. She's also really tapping into um, unique sensibilities when it comes to jazz music. So she's a massive jazz head, but she's particularly a massive Brazilian jazz fan. And through her, I've learned about great Brazilian jazz artists like um, Tani Maria, who I've been listening to a lot these past couple of weeks. Um, and another um, another woman called Flora. Uh, oh, let me just check that. Flora Flora Purim, great Brazilian jazz artist. But I'm going to tell you Maria because that's been my girl this um this past week. So she has an album called Brazil for My Soul, Brazil with My Soul, and that came out in 1978. So it's it's just incredible. Like I'm a massive jazz fan anyway. But there's definitely something about the way Brazilians do jazz music. They have a special take on it. It's a really interesting vibe. And yeah, really, really, really dope. Really, really dope. So I highly recommend Brazil of My Soul. Um, I don't, there's one song in particular, but I don't really want to pronounce it because, um, but I'll spell it. In fact, I'll just say track six. <laughs> so <laughs> go to track six. I'm not going to pronounce it because I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, and also Tatiana, that's the first song. And also a song called Come With Me Now. Like, I don't, like I said, I just don't know. But Brazilian jazz artists, I've listened to quite a few these past couple of weeks, but she and Flora um, have definitely become my girls recently. So I'm definitely going to be exploring that more in the coming weeks, coming months. Like, um, yeah, expect a few more Brazilian jazz recommendations from me over this season, probably. Um, but lastly... Um, the deadbeat dad of R&B, Maxwell. You actually make me sick. You make me sick. So, he shares the title with D'Angelo. You make me sick. Um, 
So he has claimed, keyword claimed, that his album will be coming out next spring. But I want to remind you all that this, this nigga said the album was coming out in 2011. <laughs> the funny thing is, Chopin and um, I had, had this conversation via WhatsApp. And I was like, yeah, but the difference is that he dropped a single this time. By the way, I'm a Maxwell stan, just to let you guys know. But um, he dropped a single this time, Chopin. So let's cut him some slack, please. He also dropped a single three years ago, Eden Mackenzie Goddard. Let's cut him some slack, man. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the thing. So in 2018, he released a single called Shame and he promised us, yeah, 2018, the album's coming out. And 2018 came and went and, and, and nothing. <laughs> he just left us on the stoop like a deadbeat dad. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> unfulfilled promises. <laughs> Again. Oh my God. And just like, for those who are Maxwell stands like me, so this next album will be the final installment of the Black Summer's Night trilogy. And this man said all of them were going to be coming out across a three-year period. So 2009, 2010, 2011. We are now in 2021. <laughs> and we have two of the three. Oh, man. I can't even... And may I, and I also want to go back to even the last album, because, like I said, even the second installment was due to 2010. When did we get it? 2016. <laughs> so he says next year, but... I've said to, shout out to Sherelle, good friend of the show. I said to her, when, it, when I see the Spotify, with the album cover and the tracks, <laughs> that's when I'll believe it. Until then, this is hearsay. So you've dropped a single, but that could be for bands. For bands? Dro- for bands. You've dropped no, the single. you're taking a piss. You're <laughs> taking a piss. <laughs> so, Instead of man, a single for bands. Now you're taking a piss. So until I see it in my Spotify, he said next spring. He didn't give us a date. See the vague. <laughs> see how vague. Next spring. <laughs> So that could be March, that could be April, that could be May. Who knows? <laughs> but anyway, the song is called Off, and I really, 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 really like it. It, re- I really love the '80s synth um, inspiration. It was giving me some Phil Collins vibes, some Peter Gabriel vibes, some Prince vibes, but mostly it reminded me of Jeff Bass Basker. He's a producer who did a lot of work with Alicia Keys on the Element of Freedom and Kanye West on. Doctor to Fantasy and the production, the sonics, the particular keyboards that were being used in drum loops. I was like, it's giving me that vibe, and I really, really fuck with it. So I don't know what the next vibe of the album is, but if it's if it's gonna be in this kind of flex, I'm with it. I'm I really, really like it. And on that note, I want to shout out um Alicia Keys's um Element of Freedom album in general, but the song Love is Blind, that particular, that was like what came to me straight away as well as various print songs. Um, so yeah, those are my listens for the week. Luther Vandross, Aretha Franklin, KEB, Linda Dawn, Tanya Maria, and the deadbeat dad of R&B, Maxwell, <laughs> Eden Mackenzie Goddard. All right, cool. Let's jump into this. So my listens are slightly different. Um, and thank you, Shopee, for the recommendations. So first and foremost, we're going to start with something the YouTube algorithm recommended to me. And, you know, they seem to be on my neck a lot. Um, and I imagine it's very similar for a lot of people. Um, a lot more ads I've been seeing on, on YouTube for music. I don't know why. Maybe they know about this podcast or something. But um, the artist that I discovered or kind of, you know, found out about this song through YouTube was CK. So CK. Wow, is he's really been everywhere. Like, oh. Yeah, he's huge. Yeah. He's huge. Like when I saw his Spotify page, it's 33 million like monthly listeners. So that's that's nuts. Like he's huge. Um, But yeah, CK is a kind of Afrobeats artist, kind of with like a touch of pop and um, so many different genres as well. 
Um, but the song that I'm actually going to recommend for you guys is a song called, and I pro- apologize if I mispronounce this, Chope. I apologize to you, sir. Um, the song is called Love. I want. I don't know if the N is silent. Nuan Titi. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, I'll I'd say listen to that song. It's just like a, a happy go lucky type of song, um, and it just makes me feel really good when I listen to it. It's kind of a vibey type of thing. Like a, I can imagine myself sitting in a hall and hearing this in the background and just like bobbing my head to it. Um, or even like being at a, a wedding and hearing this song and seeing people flock to the dance floor as well. It's kind of, it can kind of mediate between the two of like a calm kind of vibe to a get up and dance type of thing. So I'll definitely recommend that song to anyone who kind of wants something to feel good and, um, you know, feel happy about. Um, it's definitely has like a feeling of euphoria for me when I listen to it. So that's my recommendation for today. Next, we're getting on Amine. So Amine dropped an EP called 2.5. So you'll know that he released an album earlier in 2016, 2018, called 1.5, which was probably my favorite release from him so far. Um, And then he released Limbo after that in 2020. um, And then 2.5. He had an album in 2017 called Good For You, but I won't acknowledge that because I, yeah, I just didn't rate it. Um, But 1.5 was good because it was like Amine was really playing with his style it was like a completely new version of the rapper we heard before so this was the rapper who came up the song called Caroline which blew up in the US and was like number 11 on Billboard when it was released wasn't 1.5 one of your favourite albums of 2018? yeah it was Yes, I I loved that album I thought it was really good there are so many songs on 1.5 like for example um, really in I'm looking at it now really in why shine um, Cantu Chingy Doctor Whoever Hiccup like for me it, Sugar Parents Ratchet Set and Go yep. I, for me it's, it's a no skip album for me like I loved every single song on there so far and I think the use of Ricky Thompson is it Thompson yes yeah Ricky Thompson I think the use of um, Ricky Thompson in this album was really good it was like the meme factor that we needed and they've continued that relationship into the new um ep so just to quickly talk about amine so amine is from oregon so amine... <laughs> wow so <laughs> that's definitely getting edited out but amine is from oregon so portland oregon and he is half ethiopian half eritrean and um he became famous because of the song caroline which kind of did huge numbers in the um, US and around the world. As I said before, it reached number 11 on the Billboard chart. And ever since then, he's kind of created a momentum in his music. He's known for kind of playing with his vocals a lot, like you hear with Kendrick and quite a few artists now. So pitching his voices in certain songs or, you know, um, having samples, but pitching them slightly higher as well. And that's something that he, he used in this new album as well. Um, so the single which led this project was a song called Charmander so named after the Pokemon Charmander and um, I really enjoyed that song it's got like a really nice pace to it and like BPM so it's something that you use to really like excite yourself like I have a playlist um, I create a playlist for my friend basically she only listens to songs that have like a lot of energy in them and um, I put this song in there because I knew that this would be something that would help her get up and you know do the work that she wanted to do or kind of just get on with her day but kind of theme of this album is um pretty much sample based in a lot of it there's there's samples used in charmander but also the way amina uses his voice 
um, you sometimes get caught off guard because you don't know if it's like pitched or if that's how he actually sings or any of those different types of things. So the songs I would recommend on this project are Van Gogh. So Van Gogh, um, how would I describe that? It's um, it's a very playful song. That's, that's how I describe it. It's a very playful song. Um, and I feel like a lot of this album is Amine experimenting to kind of figure out the perfect formula for him as a rapper because I think he tries to stand out from what's currently out at the moment. Um, there are elements of mumble rap in some of the, the songs on, on here, but he, he does enunciate a lot more on this album and he plays a lot more with like singing and um, all of these different types of things. And Van Gogh is one of those romantic-esque songs that he kind of dips into for this album. Um, that kind of talks about, you know, making money, like sleeping with women and all these different types of things. But he kind of, he sings it in a way that is supposed to be quite romantic as well at the same time. So check out Van Gogh if you want to start listening to this album. It's not the first song on there, but if you want to feel for it, I would say Van Gogh kind of um, is the is the song that would really show what the album is about. And then I would say move on to, um, these are just my recommendations from the album, not the whole thing. So Yip, Yippie Yay is the first song on the EP. And then Okay With Me um, is another song I'd recommend. Between the Lines, um, Shit To Lose, and um, yeah, that's pretty pretty much it. Um, for me, there were misses on this album. It wasn't as good as 1.5, me personally. But I went on YouTube and I kind of watched um, Anthony Fantano. Yeah, that's his name, Anthony Fantano. Um, I was watching him review this album, just kind of get his his view on it and how he felt about it. And I went to the comments and someone said that they felt like Amine uses the 0.5 projects to really kind of experiment with his sound. Um, and I kind of got that from 2.5. It was like, you know, this isn't the same Amine who made the album before, you know, like Limbo. This is a very different type of Amine who is kind of playing more with um, instrumentation, with production, with his sound and kind of just trying to figure out what formula works best for him. So... I would recommend this project um, 2.5. I won't say it's the best Amino project to come out. If you want, if this is your first time listening to Amino, I would say listen to 1.5 um, and then listen to Limbo and then 2.5. That's kind of how I would scale it. Um, I wouldn't say listen to Good For You because I really did not like that project at all, but everyone has their own taste. Um, so that's Amino. Um, so that was Amino 2.5. I really need to listen to him more. And the thing is, and I say it back because I've heard a lot of his projects, but I don't feel like, I feel like every time I've heard a project, I'm like, I've liked it. I don't think I've ever like, like sunk myself into it. I was like, I've heard 1.5. I've heard, I loved Limbo, but it was like, I don't feel like I gave them the true attention that they deserve. But I do like him. Every time I play it, even on feeds, I'm like, I should really, yeah, like I really should be playing him a lot more. Did you know what it is? It's really hard to take Amine seriously. Because I feel like his his personality is kind of like happy-go-lucky. It's kind of like, you know, when I drop a project, I have an audience who enjoy it, but I'm not coming out here to necessarily, you know, blow the world wide open. I kind of know the pocket that I sit in. So I kind of understand, um, or at least try to understand your perspective when it comes to, you know, seeing Amine around, but not really engaging with his music like that. I feel like it does. It's a, he's an artist that doesn't reach for like a massive audience all the time. He makes music that he enjoys. Mm, um, mm. So maybe that might be the reason. Maybe it's because he doesn't have singles that are kind of on like MTV or kind of all of the recommendations. No, but um, I'm a massive fan of like Smino and Buddy and people like that. And Sabah and mm. 
um, Earth Gang and Reggie Snow, but they're not like massive superstars. But I feel like I definitely like those are my guys. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. Mick yeah, Jenkins, like those, like I'm like I can genuinely say like Mick Jenkins projects or his other artists I've mentioned that like, I fuck with their projects like and I know them very well. Whereas Amina, like I like you. Oh, Rico Nazi's a love one. Love her to death. Like I like you. Mick, I'm just like, but I don't know. Mm. I just. Okay, yeah, man. I don't know what it is. Gold Link before he lost his mind, mm, another one. Yeah. But also, yeah. like, I just have to say this. Mick Jenkins, like, I, I genuinely don't understand the hype. If I'm being completely honest, I've tried. I know Nick is a massive fan of Mick Jenkins. I was going to say, Nick is going to be a fan. Yeah, Nick dude. loves Mick Jenkins. And, you know, I think there was a season where he was talking about the album before it was released and stuff like that. But I really am struggling to get the hype. But maybe it's just me. Maybe one day I just need to sit down the same way I did with most Def and just kind of play the music i can't believe that, i can't believe that was ever an issue any in the first place i can't believe what me not liking most death yes i can't believe that was ever a thing but... i mean it was more so um but then i'm a soul query in that heart so yeah i think sense. you know what it is i think it's more so um just how i grew up really like i wasn't allowed to listen to hip-hop growing up that's just something i like in terms of eminem like i think other artists were okay but when Eminem came on the screen and like certain artists came on the screen on MTV, my mom would be like, yeah, turn it off. Like just because of, you know, women on screen, explicit lyrics, all of these different types of things. But, you know, growing up, I've had to really appreciate music for what it is. Like um, I grew up in a household where we weren't allowed to listen to music that had swearing in it in the house or like in the car whilst we were together and stuff like that, which might sound quite strict. Personally, I don't agree with it, but I understand where my parents are coming from. Um, so listening to hip hop is kind of a new thing for me. Like, I think the pod- podcast listeners know this. I'm very alternative in terms of music. I don't really listen to a lot of hip hop. I listen to R&B, but you know, there are sometimes I sit in like rock. There's sometimes I like, like alternative genres. Um, and that's just kind of just how I grew up. So it's kind of a journey back into hip hop for me. That's probably why I'm not in the new school kind of area yet because you know i still have to catch up i'm only listening to j cole kendrick all of these people at the moment um and going backwards and seeing what else pops up so you never know i might be on here next week talking about you know wu-tang and like all of these different artists and like you know nwa all of them but we'll see what happens we'll see what happens back to listens so the next listen for me will be very quickly because I still need to sit down with it an evening with Silk Sonic. Ah, so, I'm intrigued to hear this because your thoughts on this because obviously, you know, I'm a massive fan of him individually. But mm. I've only played this album once. Oh, really? All the way through? Yeah. I, haven't, I, I played it once last week. I haven't revisited it since. So I'm That's intrigued to hear your thoughts because obviously, like I said, you know I'm a massive fan of them individually. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. So thinking of it from like why you might have only listened to it once it's it a lot of was... it's also obviously i mean there are particular reasons which i'll get into after you've spoken but it's all just because oh, okay there's just too much music coming out i need to be i need to be yeah. in the mood and, and but i have some particular qualms with the silk sonic project but okay. you first all right i'm gonna <laughs> say shout out to ori just really quickly um because she likes really singing this song constantly and it got stuck in my head um but literally for me i think it's very similar um, to your experience, Chope. So I had quite a few things to listen to this week. So I didn't really listen to it all the way through. I think more than maybe twice or three times. Um, what I will say is the marketing for this album has been out of this world. 
and I don't know who is behind it. I don't know who has kind of figured out the ways to capture the audience and reaction channels and all these different types of things. But the video for Smoking Out the Window, the way they put so many memes in that video that would like for the intention to be captured and spread all over social media and spoken about was absolutely genius. I just thought, you know, it's a song that is very kind of playful and it's kind of like, you know, guys talk, like the kind of conversation you would hear in the barbers or, you know, you might just hear like the, the elders kind of talking about their relationships and stuff like that. But for me, hearing Smoking Out the Window and watching the video, I was like, okay, cool. These people are geniuses. Whoever's behind it, if it's Bruno and Anderson, shout out to them. But the marketing is incredible. Caught my eye. I've saw so many reaction channels as well, reacting to it, laughing at the scenes that happened in it as well. Honestly, one of the best marketing campaigns I've seen in a while after Hedy won. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm a PR, not a marketing person. You know what I mean, you. though. Um, cool. So in terms of songs on this album, Leave the Door Open has been on everyone's kind of YouTube um, playlist for a while, or even Spotify playlist. You've, you've heard it in loads of different locations, so I'm not going to talk about that song because it's one of those songs that you just hear everywhere. It's an earworm that's around at the moment. Um, but I did enjoy that. In terms of songs that aren't singles that I've enjoyed, um, Put On A Smile, banger. I love that song. Absolutely love that song. And um, I think it's more because I think it's, it's, um, it's organized really well. And I love the storytelling in the song as well. Whereas I think with like Smoking Out The Window and Leave The Door Open, like they just seem to be songs that are really focused on grabbing your attention. Like they're kind of earworms, things that kind of get stuck in your head. Um, and, you know, you can like whistle the, the, the melody to the songs as well and know them off by heart and everything. But Put On A Smile for me was the song that really made me go, oh, OK. Like I really I'm really enjoying this experience of sitting with the music. Um, I didn't like Skate. I'm going to keep that 100. Did no one not liked like, that song. I did not like Skate it did not really slap for me at all. I don't know what the intention was for that. Maybe they saw quite a few people, you know, because I've seen a lot of people as well, um, like put on skates and go to skating rinks during the pandemic and all of these different types of things. So maybe they It was thought, an attempt at getting an uptown funk 24 K magic hit. That's what that song was. Okay. Yeah, it didn't work. It really, <laughs> it, it actually didn't. might have worked in terms no, of numbers. No, but... it didn't. No. <laughs> but um, I think overall this album is something that I don't know. It's, it's a bit of a weird one for me. I like them as a duo, but do I like them enough to really replay this album? Do I think within a month's time I will go back to this album? Maybe not. Will I go back to the singles? Yes, because I find the videos hilarious. And, you know, in terms of the journey, I'll go to the videos and then play the songs afterwards. Um, but I still think this album was good and there's a lot of kind of musicianship in it. But in terms of interest, I'm just not really interested in it right now. Um, but I will recommend it because it is good music at the end of the day. And I don't know if it's an attention thing in terms of, you know, um, not being able to focus on things that aren't always like hype or, you know, we have a short attention span now when it comes to listening to music. So songs are shorter and all these different types of things. Um, but yeah, I maybe just need to sit with this album a bit longer. But I did enjoy those three songs that I mentioned. Um, and that isn't including Skate because that, that song can absolutely go. Um, but yeah, that's an evening with Silk Sonic. Next, we've got a song by Capella Gray. 
So, but before you get into that, oh, I want to share my thoughts on Silk Sonic. So, yeah, like I said, I have only heard the album once. Um, so, obviously, my review will not be as detailed as Eden's, and mine's coming from a slightly a slight pace of not ignorance, but I guess I know I'm a, I'm aware that I need to obviously listen to it before I make these statements. But um, yeah, I'm a massive fan of Bruno Mars. I'm a massive fan of Anderson Pack. I love them both as individuals. And I, as a disclaimer, when they when they do go on tour for this album, I will be going because I know it'll be a <laughs> fucking dope show. Yeah, like that, it will be an incredible show. So when they announce those dates, I will be there. Mm-hmm. But that being said, so I was uber uber excited when they announced that they were doing this um, joint project because, like, I think that and what I love about Bruno especially is that, yes, he's like a massive mainstream superstar, but he is legitimately, hands down, one of the most talented, if not most talented pop stars that we have. Like, outside of just, like, him being massive, he can sing his ass off. Incredible writer, producer, multi-instrumentalist, performer. And then also, I've always just loved his music. Um, and then Addison, he, to me, is one of the best just artists, period, that have come out in these last, like, 10 years, like... I'm, you could argue I'm an Anisipak stan. Like, Venice and Malibu, when those came out, those projects were my life. Those were my, those were my life. Um, Oxnard was a bit. But then he came back with um, Ventura, and I love No Worries, his joint. So he's also part of a group of, with Knowledge. He's one of my favorite hip-hop producers. And so I love, like I said, massive Anisipak fan. So I was like, okay, cool, these two together. Okay, cool. Like, they're kind of like... As, di- as different as they are, there there are some, I guess, common threads, and I guess in the way they approach music and who their influences are. So I'm like, okay, yeah, this could really be really, really great. And then the fact that they um, got Bootsy Collins to consult on the project, who obviously is a funk legend, Google Parliament, a funk like ladies and gentlemen out there, get to know, respecting legends, um, important, important person. So I must say, when I first heard um, Leave the Door Open, I'm saying this now, this is a safe space. I was never crazy about that song. Like, I liked it. It was cool. I liked that it had the stylistic suspenders influence. But I was a bit like, okay. But I was like, okay, cool. But I was like, you know, okay, it's the first single, whatever, whatever. I'm assuming the heat is on the album. That's what I'm assuming. <laughs> and then Skate and then Skate comes out. And I was like, oh, what are we doing? <laughs> I was like, what are we doing, kids? Peter Hernandez, Brandon, that's the real names, by the way. Peter Hernandez, Brandon, what are you doing? Like, and then, oh, then obviously Spoken Like the Middle came out. And I'm like, okay, it's a bit better. But once again, I wasn't like, oh my God, yes. Banger, yes. And then I saw the album was only nine songs. I was a bit, mm. so three out of nine. I don't really, know, I'm not really super impressed. Like, these aren't bad songs. Skate The other two aren't <laughs> bad songs. Um, um, yeah, this is yeah. Skate will get no love yeah, from us. Really I'm so was. sorry. Skate should have stayed on in um, on your hard drive. It, it could have stayed in the drafts. Like the fact that there's a there's, there's another song that didn't make it, but Skate did. <laughs> <laughs> You're actually so dumb. Oh my. But God. anyway, so I only played the album once, as I've said. But even then, I remember listening to it and being like, "This is cool." It's a bit samey, if I'm being honest. What, the album or what, like, the song? Like it's a, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's the album. Yeah. It's a bit samey. Um, 
I do remember liking the song of Thundercat after last night and put on a smile, as you mentioned, Eden McKenzie Goddard. I remember do I remember did like liking those songs, but even then I was just kind of like independently, I'm like, yeah, these are great songs, but then I was just kinda of like, I don't know. I just kinda of came away feeling like I really expected mm. way more. And and the thing is there's no excuse as to why there mm. shouldn't have been more, because both of them are more mm. than capable. And I really thought we were gonna get like a real Rand, I don't know what to expect per se, but like I said, Bootsy Collins, I was, and you got Thundercat in there, so I'm, like, I'm really expecting, like, not obviously, I understand this is still Bruno Mars and Sepak, it's got to be a cohesive sound that works mm-hmm. for both of them, but I really was expecting something way more mm-hmm. adventurous, way more adventurous, way more mm-hmm. daring, so yeah, that's what, that's what I felt, and I just felt like, you know, it just kind of, yeah, it's just kind of like the same kind of sound the whole way through, yeah. it's just kind of like, there's no real standouts, it's just, yeah. 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 Like I said, I will listen to it again. And I'm, you know, I'm sure um, I, I said there will be some favorites that I like. But overall, it's just been like, wow, Bruno and Alistair came together and that's what mm. they gave us. That's the best. That's the best they could do. And they were like, oh, we've been in studio for three years and this is the product. Yeah. Do you know what? This is, this is the result of but three this years. Is, that's this. sometimes the issue of when you get stuck in trying to make a song for a particular era that has already passed. Like maybe inspiration found them for one song and they kind of felt stuck within that particular era because it's all kind of you know inspired by the stylistics and all of these kind of yeah men's groups that kind of existed before but it's kind of just like you know a lot of the songs i feel like the word is uninspired a lot of the songs felt uninspired yes it, it felt yes. very um i don't want to say like i don't know it it felt like it was an imitation of soul and i don't mean the genre I mean, like, in terms of feeling. It didn't really have mm. a lot. It didn't have, you know, that gumption. It felt impersonal. And the yeah, reason that's why, the, I'm, yeah. like I said, and the reason why I'm surprised is because individually, I've never felt that from them. Yeah. As individual artists, I've never felt that for them. So I don't know why this just kind of felt so a bit plastic. And then I really thought we were going to get, like, different eras of soul, mm. different eras of funk, different eras of... I didn't really think we were going to get this. Oh, so we're just going to leave the door open nine times. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. But it's very savvy. It is very savvy. But the song that is kind of the the one that leads it. I don't think it's leave the door open. I think. But I, I get. I get no, what you go mean. On. I get what you mean. But I don't think leave the door open. I don't. I don't know if they actually expected that to be the lead single. To be honest, I think they expected Skate to do really well because of how how much of a pop song it is. Um, but. And then the streets said yeah, no. Yeah, the streets didn't want that. The, stri- the streets said no, and so did Sally Sue and Brendan. Yeah. And they were like, we don't want that either. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, that's, that's, how, that's my thought on the album. Like I said, I'll go back to it, and it doesn't take away the fact that, you know, they are great, great talented. But I think this, I think the album, to put a, um, a, a ribbon on it, it's like, it's not, it really is not a showcase of, of, of how talented they are yeah. and how creative that I know they are. Because like, when I think about what Anderson has given me, and when I think about what Bruno has given me, I want to shout him out because a lot of you Negroes, you, you Negroes, like to come in for Bruno as if he's one of these, uh, like, <laughs> like some Sean Mendes kind of person. You need to respect Bruno Mars. <laughs> like, like let's, let's get into it. Since 2009, that man has only given us hits upon hits. But if you listen to the albums, the quality is there. Yeah. Shout out to Our First Time from the first time. Talking to the Moon, which is one of the greatest ballads of the last 10 yep, years. Yep, 100%. Are you dumb? 100%. Liquor Store liquor store Blues. 
Ooh, banger. I love that Unorthodox song. jukebox, like Moonshine, you're mad. Wait, but if... you're forgetting songs from Doo-Wops and Hooligans. I'm not, I'm not like No, that. I know, but we have to go for each album. Um, oh, okay, cool. Moonshine, If I Knew. Are you dumb? And then let's not get into Three for Carrot Magic, his tr- wonderful tribute to the likes of Teddy Riley New Edition. Yep. Have you heard Straight Up and Down? Sorry, no. Versace on the floor. Thanks. See, calling all my lovelies. Like, we'll, we'll forget um, Perm Exists. Um, <laughs> like, we'll forget that one. Yeah, Perm, Skate, um, they're in the same trash bag to me. Um, they're in the same recycling bin. They could stay on, on the laptop. We didn't need that. Um, and even the song Finesse, before Cardi B got the song. Finesse. Like, so when I just think about that, if I go to Alison's catalog, like, when I think about Love You or Milk and Honey or then The Bird and The Seas, like, I could really go on about all of these guys. What they've done. And I'm like, and this is what you gave me? This. Yeah, some, you know the saying, too many cooks, though. Maybe that, that's... Yeah, that's, happens. you know, that's another thing, too. And, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe, even maybe themselves, maybe they thought... But they seem to be really happy with themselves. I mean, so, I mean, but... This Locked Out of Heaven was such... Sorry, Locked Out of Heaven thank was, you. was such thank a banner. You. Thank was you. such a Thank banger. You. I'm just thinking about Thank it right you. now. So the video, the everything. song was such but a. But no, banger. everyone's like he, he was trying to steal R&B to be a success, as if he wasn't like selling music copies before that. Shut up, people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I'm not gonna, right, and I'm not going to say. Sorry, one last point. I'm not going to sit here and say like there are some points, valid points about I guess Bruno's presentation. It can be a bit. Uh, what's the word? Uh, not performing, but that's well. Obviously, it's a bit. It can be a bit caricaturic. Yeah, that's not. The word. I can't pronounce it. Caricaturist. I think that's how I say it. I. I, I, I can see. Yeah. I can see it. That into. I take issue with it though. Yeah, it's. I was more complex, but what I'm saying is, musically, Bruno has always given his flowers to the black arts that came before him. And if you know him, if you really are a fan, you know that R and B and soul has been with him from the beginning of his career. Has it been yeah. more prominent in recent years? Yes, but maybe that's because he's now feels he's comfortable or the industry is more allowing of it now. Obviously, this is still the music industry. But from the very first album, and then let's not forget, this guy came up writing songs for people like Brandy before he got yep. signed. Let's not forget that. So, yep. hey, her. He's, he's one of our legends in the making. I oh, definitely. It might be too soon to say, but he's definitely one of our definitely. legends Definitely, definitely, definitely. Cool. Anyway, back All to right, you. Sorry about that. Cool. So um, next I've got Capella Gray. So Capella Gray um, is an artist from New York um, and he released a song called Gyalis. So um, he is an artist who has written for Chris Brown and quite a few different artists. Um, But he decided to step into the limelight and kind of step out with a song which is going crazy in New York and around America at the moment called Gyalis, um, where he dips into his Jamaican roots and kind of really introduces us to you know being a new yorker but with jamaican origin and it's one of those like you know guy songs about how many girls he gets and stuff like that um but it's a really really good song like i really actually enjoy the way that he interweaves um patwa into what he's actually singing um so instead of saying like i want her her and her the chorus actually goes i want she she and she and like growing up listening to music um from like um jamaica and um like hearing my my relatives speak and stuff like that and going back to Jamaica and having conversations, it just makes me feel really comfortable as like a black British man with Jamaican and Bajan roots. 
Um, so Capella Gray is someone I would recommend to you guys called Gallus. Um, let us know what you think of that song. And also feel free to join in with that Bruno Mars conversation that we just had on um, just about his career. Oh, sorry, Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack. So individually or together, what do you guys think? Do you think they work as Silk Sonic? Do you, did you like the album? Um, kind of what's your favorite Bruno Mars album? All of those different types of things. We would love to kind of hear you and hear the points that you want to make because I think we like the culture vulture conversation that is around Bruno Mars is just really interesting. Um, and it's definitely it's definitely worth the conversation. But let's kind of just, you know, have the conversation about the music. What do you guys think about the music? Let us know. D-A-T-S-P-O-D. All social media handles. And then... And I just want to clarify before anyone comes to me. I'm going to say this again. I can definitely... There are some validity to... Not necessarily appropriation, but the way he comes across can be a bit caricaturist. But musically... The respect has always been there. The has always been there. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yep. Okay. And then very last. Um, so I was still in my kind of rock bag at the moment. And it's the rock, it's one of the rock bands that all black people love. So I went back to Kings of Leon. Um, so I went back to Only By The Night, which is the album which kind of propelled them into stardom. It's the album that has Sex On Fire, You Somebody, Revelry, Notion, all of those, Be Somebody, all of those songs that kind of help build them up into the mega band that they are at the moment. So my favorite song by Kings of Leon on that album is a song called Notion. Um, I love that song. It's the one that stands out the most to me. I love the um, the way that the lead singer, I can't remember his name, unfortunately, but the way that the lead singer kind of, I, I just love his voice. I love the way that it kind of, I don't know, like I, don't, I just love his voice. I just really enjoy the music that he makes and, I'm really intrigued in them as a band because um, their latest album, which is called When You See Yourself, um, was they use cryptocurrency. They, they made it into an NFT and audiences were able to actually buy the album art and basically own it. And I'm really intrigued in the NFT space. Um, and we will be doing kind of an episode or a conversation about NFTs just to let you guys know about what's going on in the music and culture space with NFTs at the moment. Um, but I really enjoyed this project. Like Only By The Night is something that I used to listen to quite a lot when I was younger. Um, mainly Sex On Fire and You Somebody, um, Notion as well. Those are the three songs I kind of listen to on this project. But Kings and Leon are so much more than just Sex On Fire and You Somebody. They are so much more than that. They've got bangers. They've got a, a, a catalogue. Like this is Only By The Night was their fourth studio album. So they've been making music since 2003, like releasing albums since 2003. Um, but I started listening to When You See Yourself as well. So that's the new album that came out this year, the NFT one that I was just speaking about. And I'm really enjoying it. Like, I really can't lie. I'm really, really enjoying their sound and where they're at sonically at the moment. Um, and I would really recommend anyone who's a fan of Kings of Leon to not kind of forget about them and go back and listen to this album. Um, I won't recommend songs for now because it's too early for me to say which songs I like. But when I was walking around, like just walking around and listening to music, that album in particular was playing and I was really just in the zone enjoying that at the moment. So yeah, Kings of Leon. So cool, that's me. So that's 2.5 by Amine. That's An Evening with Silk Sonic. That's Capella Grey, um, Gallus. And then you've also got Kings of Leon, Only by the Night and also their 2021 album, When You See Yourself. Cool, that was a really long listening section, but I feel like we spoke about a lot of things. We'll go straight into the new section. 
Right, so we're going to start off with Taylor Swift. So, for those of you who don't know, she um, was embroiled in a, a dispute about, with her among, about her masters, over her masters. Sorry that sounded rambled, but you get my point. With Scooter Braun, um, who currently owns the rights to her first six albums. So she's um, been in the process of re-recording them and re-releasing them to, I guess, can take control of the narrative and encourage her fans to support those releases. And obviously they've done very, very well. Very, very well. I believe um, one came out last week and I think it's already, well, not already, we're in November now. It's become one of the fastest selling albums of the year. So she re-released Red last week, Taylor's version, as she's calling each of these re-releases. And as a result, her label, Universal, has now tightened restrictions on artists who can re-record. So they're now changing their contracts going forward that can restrict an artist from re-recording their work from a longer period. So according to this article, um, prior to this change, artists weren't able to re-record their music for five years until after the release, after the delivery of the last recording album under the agreement and two years after the contract has ended. But that's now increased to seven years and five years, respectively. Um, so, yeah, the artists are basically barred from re-recording and redistributing their albums, yeah, much longer than they would. So, Eden, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that's nonsense. That's, that's ridiculous. Um, and shout out to Georgina, um, who I was having a conversation with at work, literally yesterday. Um that is ridiculous and it that is it, the thing that's annoying about it is um it's just like the fact it can happen that's that's the thing that's annoying like i understand business is business and all those different types of things but you know when it comes to the creative industry there's a certain level of greed that seems to happen that is needs some form of regulation and um you know it's it it shouldn't be a situation where someone becomes a product like you know they make music and they don't receive the kind of the money and you know all of the things that they deserve that they deserve as the creator of that sound um and i think what taylor swift is doing is really brave and i definitely think we should be commending her on kind of the the music that she's making but also stepping forward and really you know pushing for the music that she wrote that she kind of co-produced well produced sorry and um you know, work so hard to build a momentum for, build a name with and all these different types of things, but it's owned by someone else. Um, and you know what? It's really interesting just kind of seeing the waves in the music industry with regards to like Nipsey Hussle and even the late Young Dolph, for example, um, who, you know, they were people who had independent deals. Like, you know, at one point, um, I believe Nipsey was signed to Atlantic Records um and another record label if i believe but they kind of both fell through in the end because of his relationship to um this this rolling 60 crips and stuff like that but like he was heavily for you know my music i keep the royalties there's no way i'm slaving for these people and all of these different types of things it was same with young dolph he had a distribution deal um but he he, he released his music independently um and I just find it interesting that that wave in hip hop is now spreading around the world. You know, you had Prince as well, for example, who, um, 
refused to have his music on certain platforms or, you know, in places that he himself didn't say, yes, I kind of green light this at the moment. And even going back to Kanye's conversation on Drink Champs, when he was like, someone was saying something about, you know, good music. And Kanye was like, good music doesn't mean anything. We are just signing people to these major labels like Universal and all of these different types of things. But the small record labels that are owned are actually just marketing tools that are used by these bigger labels to kind of spread their music. Um, but I just think it's, I think it's really sad. Um, yeah, sad is the right word. I think it's really sad that this is being allowed at the moment, that this kind of greed in the music industry can continue. Um, people should be able to keep their the rights to their music. People should be able to record songs and feel like at the end of the day, the money's gonna go to them, but that isn't the case. Um, so yeah, this is something that Georgina um, was saying to me yesterday that, you know, there needs to be some form of regulation because like we had Jojo, for example, who had to re-record all of her songs um, to see some form of royalties. We've got Ashanti talking about how she wants to re-record her songs because Irv Gotti owns the rights to her royalties. Now we've got Taylor Swift. Like there's a, there's a theme here. It seems to be women in music that are like trying to break free of these contracts at the moment. Um, and, you know, you've got like Irv Gotti, for example, who's saying that, you know, it isn't fair. People are trying to take money out of his pocket and stuff like that. But it's their music. It's like, you know, there needs to be a bit more control over how much someone can really own because you've got people like TLC who weren't earning any money whatsoever. New Edition, all of these old groups. Tony Braxton. Tony Braxton. Yep. Damn near every artist on Motown. Yep. And <laughs> so something needs to change. Um, and I, and in, in, interestingly enough, I was saying, you know, when Tidal first came out and this, the pitch was that, you know, artists should be making more money. And, you know, it probably wasn't the best PR to put the richest artists in the world kind of at the forefront of that. Yeah. And also the way it was done, the whole, the way they were all on stage together, like it yeah. was like the United but Nations is, or something. And it's like, like, like it was like life or death. But it was, a, it was a cause. It, it, it has a real so cause behind it though. Because, you know, there are avenues for artists to make more money from their music. And like you see Bandcamp, for example, on Fridays, I think um, artists get all of the money that's raised from Bandcamp. Um, and there's so many different opportunities like vinyls are coming back in now. And, um, you know, all of these different types of things. There's ways for artists to make music outside of, you know, shows and songs that they've recorded and put on spotify and all these different types of things but there has to be some form of regulation that happens in the music industry and i wouldn't be surprised if it happens fairly soon to be honest um but it's interesting i just think it's interesting and i hope taylor swift kind of this works out for her in terms of this move towards this new album um but i watched a performance by her shout out to my brother who put me on it and um yeah i just really hope that she kind of gets the support she needs um, when it comes to getting money back and it kind of creates a movement that allows more people to make music but yeah that's my thoughts Shopee what are yours so I want to start off by saying that I just want, to, want everyone to be reminded of the fact that I know that the whole re-recording thing has become very popularized because of Taylor Swift but I want to remind the folks that it was our good sis Jojo who was the first to to do this, to re-record her albums for the sake of controlling um, her narrative and 
controlling the distribution of her music and fighting back against uh, a very exploitative and manipulative situation that she was in. Just want to make that clear. Shout out to one of my favorite favorites, favorites, Miss Joanna Noel Levesque, aka Jojo. Next, um, I don't have much to add on this really, but I just really saw this. I just like, I, I kind of just like laughed and shook my head because it's like, it's just so funny how capitalism will continue to capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like these labels, these organizations, these companies will just will really make sure that mm. you owe them. They'll just make sure that you owe them, they're in debt to them, and that make sure that you're bound by them. Even after your contract has ended, even after you've given your last breath, it's like they will just make sure that there is some level of control that could potentially disarm um, you from doing something for your own personal benefit mm. and financial gain. It's just ridiculous. Like, it's happening with Ashanti now, although I don't understand why she's doing it, because she's also been recording her first album. Um... But she really owns her master, so I don't know why she's doing that. But Irv Gotti, who signed who signed her to Modern, he's like he's he's upset about mm-hmm. it because <laughs> he's like, oh, but you're gonna be stealing my money. But then also the thing with the re-recording thing is, that it goes for JoJo Taylor and Ashanti and others who are doing it. It's a bit of a sticky situation because yes, we can do it, we can support you, but people, the fans, surely if they want to hear those songs, they're just gonna play the original. Album. Yeah. Right, like so. For example, back to my my dear Jojo. Like, I love you. I love you to death. I'm such a fan. But those re recordings <laughs> you did of your first two albums weren't it. They just they just weren't it. Um, and I say that from the bottom of my heart because I I don't know if she ever will hear this, but Jojo, like, really, I you have no how how much I love you. So I'm just gonna make that clear. But those view recordings were not it. And not because they were necessarily bad, but it's just like, well, some of the production was a bit cheap. Um, and also, her voice has changed. Her voice, her tone has changed, you know. Um, just like, it kind of just ruins the experience. It's like, if I want to hear Jojo's first album, I'm going to play the original first album. I don't want to hear you at 29 years old singing the song you at 14 mm. years old. And, like, and I understand it from like, oh, if by supporting the new release you know we're helping i get that i really do but then sometimes it's like okay but think you think about your fans it's like and even say for taylor's fans the swifties whatever the swifties whatever they're called i don't know like i'm sure they're out there too in in their droves i'm sure some of them are like battling internally okay not battling us it's a bit more that deep um but i'm sure that a lot of them are probably like you know what well, i'll listen to the new versions but if i want to play fearless if i want to play you belong with me i'm gonna play the original one from 2009 yeah yeah like and i understand the moral uh disconnect i understand but you can't really blame them so even when black crown records finally and with jojo it's my story is different so i actually own her first two albums the cds remember those i actually owned those so i was never struggling these last 11 years when they disappeared from the internet <laughs> i was fine <laughs> I was in my room enjoying myself <laughs> with wanting to play those albums. Oh, man. But um, when they came on streaming services, even though she tweeted that she ain't supporting it or she ain't happy about it, supported the new ones, they helped me to earn money, whatever. I'm like, I'm sorry, sis. I streamed the fuck out of those. But I was like, oh, my tunes are on Spotify now. Okay, butterflies. Use my shoulder like that. I can take... <laughs> Here we go. Breezy, let's go. Pop it. 
So I'm sorry, sis. However, so yeah. It's just the fact you keep calling her sis. <laughs> but it's a real point. <laughs> You're like, sis, I hear you, but I'm sorry. Like, Ashanti too. Like, Ashanti, when you eventually re- release this album again, no. Like, you haven't you know, even heard it yet, man. Wait for it. But no, but why? But why? <laughs> <laughs> if I want to hear Shanti's first album, I'll play the album as I know it, as it was originally intended. Because yeah. the Shanti song, I say, oh, we're gonna add some new layers. Like, no, 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 don't, no. Mm. If you want to experiment with these songs, do that live. Yeah. But the recorded song is precious. Mm. You know, and that's why Jojo, in her defense, she really did try her best to make it sound exactly like. The original but it's just it's just not gonna be the same yeah. it's just not this it's just not the same and i understand like i said like i understand why it's done but yeah but no these labels wow you know when i just saw this universally just no shame yeah no shame they saw taylor's success and were triggered they were like fuck shit because how are we gonna make oh we gotta make money Da-da-da-da-da. so now they're putting new clauses in these contracts yeah. like wow wow it's basically telling them hey if you're thinking about doing this, think again. <laughs> yeah. You just will just keep owing them and owing them and owing them. Yeah. So yeah, that's all I have to say. I just want to say, guys, um, we had this conversation about contracts a few seasons ago on the episode with Tara Joshi. So we spoke to a lawyer from Sony, just very quickly talking about kind of contracts and, you know, it was to do with Megan the Stallion who was in a deal at the time that didn't allow her to release any of her projects. Um, so if you liked this conversation, we had it again. Um, we had it a few seasons ago. I can't remember what season it was. I want to say season four, but I might be wrong. Um, so go check that out if you can. But yeah, we'll move on to the next topic. So closing today's episode, um, it's not really news, but some could argue, but I wanted to just discuss it. So Adele... Uh, one you of kill the... me because you know we have one more topic after that. But you, yeah, what's the topic afterwards? Drake and Kanye. We're not discussing that. It's on the agenda, sir. Yeah, I said I don't want to discuss it. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, guys, we don't care about it. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see that. Okay, cool. Yeah, Drake and Kanye are friends again. Yay! Whoa! Hey. <laughs> Good for them. <laughs> hey. Yeah. Okay. Do your thing. Um. So yeah, that's how, that's how, that's us covering the topic. Bam. So yeah, Adele, one of the titans of the music industry, the Tottenham lass. She today released her first album in six years. And as you know, we all know, it's been one of the most anticipated releases of the year, if not the most anticipated release of the year. And I've actually heard the album and I do have some thoughts, positive thoughts about it. Um, But I also just wanted to talk to Eden about just the Adele phenomenon. Like Mm. she is one of, she's such a rarity in the music industry and the fact that she's relatively young still can take long breaks, but will still stop the world <laughs> whenever she decides mm. to return. And everything she does is just given all the engagement. So, any, so her recent magazine covers with um, Vogue and the face uh, videos that she's done um, radio, like everything she does is just like, it's just being dissected and spoken about. And then I think easy on me has broken the streaming record. I think it's like, it has like the most streams garnered in 24 hours or something like that. Wow. And then also she's a rarity in the fact that she's quote unquote making real music. Like it's no gimmicks, it's no frills. It's very sincere. Um, it's not glossy. It's just like, you know, 
a vocalist, well-written songs. There's no um, crazy lights and dances and fireworks. But yet mm. she is one of the most significant artists in the last 10 or 15 years. And every album will just do ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So as it stands, I believe her last album, 25, is like 31 million copies. <laughs> and then, as we all know, 21, which is her signature album, that's a like... 40 something million now and then yeah. lord knows how what this album's gonna do <laughs> <laughs> it's especially yeah. now the streaming is a thing so but i was going to talk to eden about the right so i actually talk about the album itself which i'll get to but i want to talk to eden about why is there such anticipation when adele returns and why and how has she reached this gargantuan level of superstardom but still maintaining her privacy because when she's gone you don't hear from her she, she manages yeah. her business but yeah i want yep. to get into that do you know i think it's actually that so i just want to say i'm not an expert in this whatsoever but what i will say is i think the thing that really draws people to adele is the fact that she's so relatable um and i think she really keeps that um in the music and kind of stays away from all of the kind of celebrity life that we see a lot of artists go into so with Adele, there's kind of an authenticity that can be felt when it comes to her music. Whereas, you know, I don't want to say all music sounds kind of synthetic nowadays, but when you hear an Adele song, there is a lot of emotion. There is a lot of kind of um, feeling that goes into her music. And also kind of, you know, it's kind of very similar to like like reading a, 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 a book series, for example. Like the fact that the albums are named after her age and it's like a portrait image of her. And, you know, it feels like a very personal invitation into someone's life. I think the marketing was excellent in terms of really pushing forward this person from Tottenham who kind of rose to the star that she is today. It's kind of very similar to the way that Amy Winehouse, I know she said that Amy Winehouse is one of her inspirations, but it's very similar to the way that Amy Winehouse, although her life was a, a bit more publicized and, you know, tragic, kind of in the limelight. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, she was that girl from Camden. People kind of saw Amy Winehouse and they were like, you know, she's still someone that we can see walking around Camden. And, you know, um, is just a normal person, normal everyday person. But I think there's, there's, there's a bit of a line that's been kind of drawn in society lately between celebrityhood and kind of the everyday person. I'm seeing a lot more kind of, I don't want to say hatred towards celebrities, but more kind of... of a, a lens of why people are being considered great and kind of being seen as untouchable and all of these different types of things and that doesn't come across from Adele she's a very kind of from her music I haven't met her I don't know her but you know from her music she seems like a very humble type of person she seems like someone who um, is very kind of yeah I'm from Tottenham this is where I'm from and um, you know she kind of shows her respects like for example when she won the grammys over beyonce and she was talking about how much she loved lemonade and how important it was to the culture and everything um uh, sorry we hate that word the culture so important to you know black culture so important to black american culture and you know all of the things that beyonce has done in her kind of tenure and continuing career but i think with adele it's more so like we get proper singing we get actual vocals on the album we get great production. We get catchy songs. She writes the majority of her songs. I think she writes all of her songs. Everything. Yeah, she writes all of her writes songs. Everything. It's just the feeling of authenticity that she brings to her music. It's it's her. It's raw. It isn't polished in terms of um, 
like you you will hear songs on the radio and you'll kind of understand why it's there but you'll understand it's not you know made for the radio necessarily it's written from a place of you know her experiences her lives her life sorry and um you know as as every few years has passed what that has meant for her um so it's almost like a diary for a lot of people her music it's kind of you know oh Adele's turning 30 what does that mean for where I've been in the last few years what does it mean for um where she has been and you know her life and you know all the relationships she's had and um how that reflects on my relationships and how I feel um for me personally I can't listen to this Adele album yet because it would like yeah her music is very emotional so I think you need to be in a in a space of you know let me connect to this person's music so that's why I think she's really big I think it's just people see her as this really authentic girl from Tottenham who writes her music and really just wants to express how she feels and her life really um yeah but then my thing is is she the only person in the industry that we can relate to? No, I don't think so. Um, so what's it happened? What's because even hers, she's just a girl from Tottenham, but she's a worldwide, <laughs> like a worldwide giant mm. in music. And it's like, and no, I'm saying this like not out of like judgment because I, like, I am a fan, but I'm just like I never thought when Chasing Papers came out in 20, 2008 that Adele would be what she is today. Mm. I never thought that. I'm trying to think who was making music like her at the time, though. And I'm, I'm, th- well, I'm yeah, thinking purely well, from a she, UK perspective, by the way. So, Well, Adele, Adele was part of what the British media was calling the new Amy's. Mm. So there was... Um, Duffy. Duffy. Yeah. There was uh, Florence and the Machine, although I never understood that comparison. Um, who else was there? There was Gabriella, Gabriella Chilmi, who that girl didn't last long. I don't know who that is. <laughs> oh, well. There I'm not sending. I genuinely don't know who that is. Um, Paloma Faith, Eliza Doolittle, those were that kind of the girls out at the time. Corinne Bailey Ray, I guess, but Corinne kind of predates Adele by three years or so. That is but, crazy to me that Adele, like, no disrespect to any of those artists, by the way, but that's just crazy to me that Adele was kind of seen in the same lane as them because of her stardom at the moment. Like, that's just yes. kind of crazy to me. Yeah, exactly. So, like, she was dubbed. She was one of the new Amy Winehouses. But just on that point that you're making, though, about the people she was in kind of league with, I'm just trying to think about their careers individually. And I don't know, like, I'm thinking of, for example, Eliza Doolittle had a few singles that did really well. Um, And I think she came back recently as Eliza, just Eliza. Um, Oh, and by the way, Eliza is fucking dope. Yeah, she's dope. She's dope. Her rebrand, amazing. Yeah. But I'm just thinking about her in, in comparison to Adele. Like she was releasing songs that were really raw in comparison. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is, if I'm being honest. I actually don't know. Fair enough. Okay, the, so I also want to get into the common criticisms, which have been, oh, Adele's music is overrated. A lot of it sounds the same. It's boring. Which... To, and I like I like all her albums. I have my favorites on her albums, but I guess to the to the general person, you could argue there is some validity to that. You could, you could argue, because I've always said I like I, said, I like I am an Adele fan, and the reason why I'm so excited to have this conversation is because she's done what I've asked her to do on this album. She did what she heard my cries, um. Because I do feel, even though I like her, I like her music, and even like actually her last album was quite underrated. Like they were, like people say, like it, it was 
it paled in comparison to 21. But there were some really great songs on that last album, like Million Years Ago, I Miss You, um, uh, Water Under the Bridge, and even songs of the Deluxe Edition were really, really cool, which should have been on the main album, but whatever. But um, with this album, because I was saying, I said after when the album came out, the last album, I said, this is cool for now, and I know it's going to do well, but this next album will be something different. <laughs> I was like, we've had yeah. 21, we've had 25, cool. We need something different this this go around. So, and when the early reviews came out earlier this week, it, they were all glowing, and I was like, mm, "It's actually because it's Adele, though." But then I actually read one on uh, I can't remember what website it was, but I read one, and they were really like talking about like they were saying like it has very Amy Winehouse Frank vibes, and talking about like it really taps into different parts of like soul and jazz and even reggae. I was like, "Oh, is Adele really coming to switch up the vibes?" I was like. Okay, we'll see what happens. Then I woke up this morning, I was seeing all the reactions, and people are loving the album. And not just because Adele's dropped again and, you know, she's universally loved, but I was seeing the conversations about the fact that there's she's really switched it up. And I heard it finally this morning, and I was like, oh, okay, you really have heard my cry. <laughs> However, I will say I am upset with her because she did work with Raphael Sadiq and John Legend over these last six years and those songs didn't make the album. I'm very upset about that. Uh, I really would love to hear what Raphael Sadiq and her did together. I would really would have loved to hear it. Hopefully one day, maybe she'll do a deluxe edition, but Adele, Adele, Laurie Atkins, please, we need to really, I need to hear what you and Raphael did together. The John Legend songs, maybe keep them because John Legend's recent music hasn't. Anyway. Um... <laughs> But, but, I heard, but I heard the album, this new one, and I was pleasantly surprised, but also just like so excited. And it really just caught me with God in a, in a good way because the changes aren't like dramatic or radical, but they're enough to where they're noticeable, but they still, it's still authentic to who Adele is and the Adele brand. But I also feel like for the first time, mm. and probably since her first album, I'm really getting a sense of who her influences are. I kind of do feel the second album, third mm. album, even though great in their own ways, I definitely think, think there's a bit of, you know, label formulaic. It, some of them are a bit, yeah, some of the ballads are like, you know, that's what I'm saying, they're not great albums, but there is like, I do, there's some validity when people say like, she's boring or overrated, like it's a bit samey. There is some validity to that, some. But which which artists can you not say that about though? No, but Adele, I think the issue with Adele is that back-to-back albums and then obviously they're all like they're ubiquitous they're like <laughs> they're like selling gazillion copies her songs are all over the radio that's why she gets this criticism okay but anyway hearing this this album i couldn't believe it i just was like and i will say like i've only heard it once so like this is, this is my first listen review in word commas so obviously i still need to live with the album um and i will say some of the sequencing was a bit i would have maybe removed move to certain songs in different areas but anyway in terms of individual songs um like my little love cry your heart out and i say this on the account that it's got an, an, a reggae vibe and it reminded me of when amy winehouse would cover these classic reggae songs or do reggae interpretations of classic songs so like her version of cupid or her version of monkey man i was like <laughs> yes adele give us a bop in your own right right in your own way come on and then all night parking with errol gardner like, oh, so Adele's been listening to Air Bond and I'm DDB and Zylo. Like, so Adele's been listening to the the the, the younger R&B jazz girls. Like, oh, come <laughs> through. 
Come on. Come on, Adele. And then even songs like My Little Love, Estranged by Nature, are classic Adele ballads. But I don't know. I feel like the way they've been written or they've been arranged, there's a there's a difference into how they've been approached. Like even that was kind of like these are they're quite simple songs. Like it's like piano, strings, but I don't know. I was like, this is just different. It's different from the Adele ballads I was getting on the previous albums. It was something else. And it is for the first time in a long time soulful because she's always been called a soul queen. And I'm like, mm, she's arguing, she's verging on adult contemporary with with a da- with a dollop, a dollop of soul. <laughs> a dollop. But this, yes, a dollop. But this album, and even um, I drink wine, um, hold on, to be loved, and I was like, like I said. It's, she doesn't totally reinvent the wheel by any means, but I, there's definitely she's. I find that she's listened. <laughs> she's listened, but it makes sense. But it makes sense. It's not like she's doing a trap beat or she's working with David Guetta. She's not doing that. Like it's making sense for her. And there's one. So I can't remember which song it is called, which one it is. But it was definitely giving me like late sixties Millie Rickerton coming to my garden, like Charles Stepney. That kind of vibe, rotary connection, back in the flow. Like I was like, okay, yes. And I know Inflow produced about four songs in the album, and we know Inflow is the man behind Salt, Cleo Soul, a lot of little Simpsons recent projects. I was like, yep. So, and this is only my first listen, guys. So like, but so I'm not gonna say like a definitive statement, but I was like, with the fact that Adele has tried new things and has really expanded horizons, I'm like, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. I'm happy. And I can't actually wait for me to live with the album and get into it properly and really digest mm. it and sink into it. But off bat, Cry Your Heart Out, All Night Parking, Woman Like Me, Tunes. She did the damn thing. Okay. Well, that's got me excited to listen to it at some point. But she is amazing. I think she's amazing. I did. Oh, then also the lyrics. Oh, the writing. Yes. <laughs> lyrics. In the words of Whitney Houston, songs of meaning. <laughs> <laughs> songs of good lyric you're actually putting on a bit of a With voice yeah. <laughs> also guys i would say i am a gospel hero i would say listen to and this this is low-key a joke as well but someone created a drill version of hello by adele i would say listen to that song what i'd say listen. it actually slaps it slaps wait how could is it actually her vocal? yeah i don't know is if i should play it because i don't know if it'll get copyrighted no, and it's no, and it's Adele. Should I play it? Let me play a piece of it. One sec. A a, a drill version of Hello. Yeah, wow. it's actually sick. I'm not gonna lie to you. Let's get millions on a guest verse. <laughs> Wait, one sec. Let me find. Let's get Unknown T on the track. Wait. Oh man, how long is? It? I forgot how long the chorus is, man. Oh, it's about to start. Wait, wait, wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. it's like um it's like the guy who put um what song was it he put a song over he put a bashment beat over what what song was it again (laughs) wait what was it again what song was it wait let me see if i can find it real quick oh god 
Oh, I love black people so much. Oh, I can't <laughs> find it. But someone... <laughs> Adele on Bashment is hilarious. I'm not going to lie to you. Oh, my dear. But that being said, I do want to shout out one of our followers and listeners of the show. Um, his his at is called LunaJ underscore. And when Easy On Me came out, the first single from this album came out. Um, so the beginning of the video, she's driving in a car turning on the radio. And this guy put on a Bashment song. <laughs> 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 Wait, did you say Luna? Luna J. Understood. Oh, okay. Shout out Jamal. Yes. My G. Shout out one, Jamal. One of the most, like, follow him. He is so fucking hilarious. Yeah, he's hilarious. Hilarious. Love him. But yeah. Um, but yeah, that's my thoughts on Adele. Yeah. Okay, guys. So the, the album came out this week. So let us know what you think, what your th- your early thoughts were, because it is... You know, let's be fair. You'll hear this episode by Tuesday next week. So hopefully you've given it a few listens. Um, But I'll be intrigued to hear what you guys thought. Do you agree that Adele's getting a bit samey? Do you think she deserves kind of the flowers that she's got at the moment in terms of, you know, um, why she blew up and other artists maybe aren't in similar positions to her, like Eliza Doolittle, for example, or Florence and the Machine. Well, Florence Machine is huge. But um, yeah, give us your thoughts at DATSPOD on all social media platforms. We're happy to hear what you have to say. Um, we'll join in with some of the conversations and let us know what your favorite song is from the album as well. I do have a recommendation for another remix um, from Adele. I'm not going to play it because I know that Adele's team is really on copyright. I saw so many videos removed from it. So um, there is a remix of, um, is it called Easy? Easy what's, on the, me. what's the lead single from? Easy On Me, that's it. There is a remix with a 70s twist on it. Um, and it is called, give me one second. Okay, it's called Adele Easy On Me and it's by Lou, Louis LaRoche. Um, 1988 remix, check it out. It bangs, it slaps. It's actually much better than the single in my opinion and so many people that kind of have commented on the video as well. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to listen to this project because Chopin has really hyped it up and he doesn't really you know, hype up the white women of um, <laughs> music. <laughs> what are you saying? There's a lot of white women that I love. What are you talking about? Yeah, but you always you always hedge it by saying one of the only. Yes, Jessie Ware, KEB, JoJo, <laughs> Tina Marie, Christina Aguilera. Oh, yeah, you love Tina Marie. Yes. You love Tina Marie. Yes. And um, what's her name? Um, Cassidy. Uh, Eva Cassidy. Yeah, yes, Eva Cassidy. Please, love Eva Cassidy don't pigeonhole well. me. It's true. It is true. I apologize for doing that. Um, cool. So that is the end of the episode for today. Um, we just wanted to say as a podcast, RIP to young Dolph, who was murdered recently um, after going back to Memphis. Um, very sad to hear about his passing, especially not especially, but, you know, in relation to the fact that he was related to Juice World, who sadly passed um, a few years ago as well. Um, but yeah, it is very sad to hear of another rapper passing from you know, violence as well. You know, Nipsey Hussle was killed in his hometown. Um, so was Young Dolph. And, you know, so many... There seems to be a bit of a conversation about rappers going back to their area and really investing in it. But, you know, they're losing their lives, unfortunately. So um, we hope their family are good. And we're sending love to all of their fans as well. Um, but Young Dolph, we hope... Young Dolph's family, sorry, we hope they're healing. Um, so, yeah, just sending love to Young Dolph's family. Um, and he's independent as well, guys. So stream his music if you like his music and hopefully that money will go straight to his estate. Um, and yeah, just wanted to spread that love. 
So cool, guys. We're going to end on that note. But thank you very much for joining us today and rocking with us on the second episode of season seven. We are Don't Let The Stands. We are a music and culture podcast with a marked focus on stand culture. You're listening today to Eden and Chope with a kind of love for Nick um, at the moment. And yeah, as always, guys, feel free to follow us on all platforms at D-A-T-S-P-O-D. We are everywhere in terms of streaming. So if you're listening to us on Spotify or any of those streaming platforms, we're available on there. And thank you guys for listening. Enjoy the rest of your weeks. Peace.